Next, we explore how three teenage transplants living in Canada made a brief splash in the boy band scene, but faded away just as fast. This is B44, the story behind the music. The Jackson 5, new edition, new kids on the block, boys to men, all for one. Backstreet Boys, In Sync, 98 Degrees, One Direction, Jonas Brothers, BTS. Possibly none of them loved oral sex enough to release a single about it, but one boy band did. This is the Pool Scene Podcast Swim Meet Series, and we're doing sort of a behind the music this week, or should I say a before the music, as in before four. I'm Kevin. I'm joined by the other member of our boy band, Jim. How are you feeling, Jim? Dude, I am really looking forward to doing this deep dive into a Canadian boy band that never made it here in the States. I did a lot of research, and you'll hear Jim's honest reaction to some of this. I know, full disclosure here, Pool Seniors, I know nothing of Kevin's notes, so this is going to be hitting me as fresh as it is hitting you guys. I had to travel back through time through 90s Canadian Angel Fire pages. Very niche. .cbj.ca type pages <laughs> to find teen fangirl interviews and stuff with this band who have a hell of a weird career. A very weird career. Before 4, the letter B, the number 4, dash the number 4. What a name. Was a Canadian boy band from, do you say Toronto or Toronto? Toronto. Toronto. Torontosaurus Rex, who existed from 1999 until 2004. There were three members, Ryan and Dan Kowarski, who are twins, along with their friend of several years, Ohad Einbinder. Hey, what's up, everyone? What's going on? Um, we we just, are before four. Dan, they, yeah, they know that. They know that. They have our album. They have the album and the, oh, yeah, they, they see the crazy. Ohad moved to Canada from Israel. And even after the band already had a record deal and were touring, he barely spoke English. He still had a heavy accent and he referred to himself as an immigrant. We hope you to have shows. many years to come with you guys and we're planning uh, to record a new album. Really? Yes. Don't notice it in his singing though. I mean, in the studio, they probably made him yeah. take 700 takes. Vocal lessons and all that shit. I wish there were more details about this, but basically in 1999, the three were in a car together. They were 16 years old. They asked a taxi driver for directions to Sony Music Headquarters in Toronto. They drove there with the plan to not leave until they got a record deal. They end up getting to sing a song from 1925 called Show Me the Way to Go Home. Show me the way to go home. I'm tired and I want to go to bed. Interesting. They sang it for Sony's top engineer and the vice president of the company, and they literally got signed the next day. I would love it if they did it like old timey voice. Show me the way to go home. Maybe, but they got signed. They were under Lou Pearlman. Talked about him at length in the past. He was responsible for NSYNC, Backstreet Boys, and so on and so forth. He was already involved in some nefarious shit at the time, but he still didn't go to prison for about seven to eight years. And maybe we should eventually do an episode on Lou Pearlman. It's intriguing because you have to remember, he has ties all the way back to New Kids on the Block. Yes. Within a year of getting signed, they released a self-titled album led by their single, Get Down. If you get down on me, I'll get down on you. 
which went to number four on Canada's singles charts. They don't have Billboard. They have the singles charts. Yeah. Get Down. Number four. Get Down is about giving and receiving oral sex. The label was scared to release it. The official stance for press purposes is that it was about the give and take in a relationship. (laughs) I can see. I mean, I get it. I mean, it's cute and sly. Who weren't happy to hear their daughters sing, if you get down on me, I'll get down on you. Mm -hmm. A music video for Get Down got heavy airplay on Much Music, which is Canada's MTV counterpart or equivalent. Probably was on the box quite a bit as well. Ed the Sock, a popular Much Music character, made the song infamous by calling it a sugar-coated fellatio fest. While this looks like a bright and happy boy band video, the lyrics are clearly about oral sex. Listen to some of these lyrics. So without further ado, please pause us, go to YouTube, find the music video for Get Down by B44, and we're going to break it down. I will be the one to love and comfort you from now until the day I die. I will take you places that you only think about when you're asleep at night. If you open up to me, I'll make you realize the things that you could never see. Let me take the time to understand and I will set your spirit free. So our music video begins Oh man! with a kid kicking a can down the street. A homeless guy asks him for change and he does what you do when a homeless person asks you for change. You pull your pockets inside out completely. Yeah, I don't got shit, man. (laughs) You got to prove it to him. You can't just tell him no. He's pretty much broke as a joke. He turns the corner and sitting in the top of a trash can is a viewmaster. A viewmaster, a viewfinder thing, which he picks up. When he looks through the Viewmaster, you ready for the weirdest looking son of a bitch you'll ever see? In three, two, one. Oh my God! <laughs> look, look at that son of a bitch! He sees either Dan or Ryan Kowarski singing the opening lines of the song. Fun fact Ryan and Dan stopped being able to tell themselves apart in 1995. No shit like they in, have big ass black hole sun anime eyes so like in uh, pictures and stuff they don't know who's who i can see that their mom used to paint one of their toenails red either ryan's toenails red or dan's toenails red so that she knew which was what i've watched this video multiple times since i found it and i've tried to research who's singing at which time no clue I have no clue. No clue. The song sounds one way for what? About 25 seconds and it turns into a different song altogether. Super poppy. When the song kicks in, the kid puts the viewfinder down and has now found himself on the beach. He transported. We pretty much then kick right into the chorus of if you get down on me I'll i get, get down, down on you. you i will do anything that you want me to do ohad is now embarrassed to even talk about it despite his minimal grasp on english he still knew the song was about getting some bjs yeah suck it at 55 seconds one of either ryan or dan looks like he's threatening us in a menacing way singing the nighttime turns to day again <laughs> day man for the next 15 20 seconds we see b44 playing around with some girls on the beach we see some bodybuilders 
puka shell necklaces. All while the kid watches, probably wondering how he got there because he doesn't seem concerned that he just transported to the beach. No. At 110 in the video, the kid decides, I'm going to ditch a layer. I'm going to try and impress these girls. Yeah. And he's yeah, flexing his yeah. little kid muscle. Yeah. You, everybody did that. Yeah. I did that. You did that. At 137, we get the iconic line from the song, communicate and I'll go undercover. Got to make you come tonight over to my house. Wait, Kevin, did he mean C-U-M? Yes. Oh, juicy. Yeah. yeah, he basically asks her, tell him what she's thinking, communicate, tell me what to do, and I'll fucking, I'll make you come. Yeah. Around this time, we get a lot of them hanging out on each other, like they're leaning all over each other on the beach, or brotherly love. As Jim would love to point out, they have a huge affinity for puka shell necklaces. Jesus Christ. It's like an Abercrombie ad. Somehow, at two minutes, our main kid has been transported back to his original location where he found the Viewmaster on the trash can. When he puts the viewfinder down and picks it up again, we're in two places. So we see a basketball bouncing on a rim, and then we see B44 and backup dancers in the rain. And like they're doing a, a choreographed <laughs> thing. It's typical. Yeah. In front of what appears to look like Shawshank. I'm just saying. Pretty much. And everyone else is like, all the girls are on the other side of the fence trying to get through. At 2.07, either Ryan or Dan looks even more menacing than before, threatening the viewer while singing, I'm not the kind to change your mind. This whole lyric, I'm not the kind to change your mind if you want to take it slow. No pressure to go all the way. There's places we can go, which obviously those places are in and around the mouth. Yes. Our kid is, of course, now in the basketball game, and at 2.35, he proves it ain't too much for him to jam. Hell no. The, <laughs> the crowd watching the game cheers. Oh, it looks like he wants to fight this kid. It looked like he wanted to take the basketball and chuck it the fuck right at his face. The kid dunks. Oha like slams the ball on the ground. And then for like a split second, you, he is like mean mugging so hard. They're like holding them back not to fight a child. Immediately, the song switches back to that nursery rhyme thing from the beginning. It's very jarring. That lasts for what? Maybe 10 seconds? Roughly. Then we see the kid in like a fur kangol hat, a suit. He's dressed like uh, a pimp. Kid Rock in front of a yellow sports car. Everyone's impressed, especially the girls. They all come running to this kid. As our video ends, the kid puts the viewfinder down, walks back around the corner, and gives it to the homeless dude who picks it up to see B44 walking on the beach. Jim, any idea what this video means? What, in general? Yes. Explain oh, this video. How this video is a magic view means about going down on somebody. Well, yeah, it's a song about, I mean, they're not going to show each other like yeah. 69 and, but yeah, there's well, like, but like, Jesus. uh, it's just a, a kid finds a magic view master and gives it to a homeless guy Yeah, and inside the view. It's like a genie's lamp. Like that's why I said it's a genie's lamp. It's like a four, four, four only exists within that view master in the real world. Let's be honest. They film it in an alley cause they're making it look like, Hey, there's the homeless guy. The world is downtrodden. Here's the escape. It's the genie in the bottle syndrome and which makes sense kevin you will allude to later on so i think the, the logic is if you put the viewmaster to your face do you also hear them or do you see it no the viewmaster is a kid you didn't get fucking sound with it i don't understand it's weird i don't so understand. we are to think that this kid created this song himself so this kid secretly wrote this song he performed this song he just sees these three blokes perform it yeah Jim, we didn't we didn't mention it. Why don't you tell us a little bit about the the looks of this band at this point in time? <laughs> so this is what year you say is ninety nine. So this is well two thousand. They released their first album two thousand. Okay. So this would have been two thousand. So this is the time, and I even imbibed in this guy lights. Blonde tips. They're like Liberty Spikes. They are Liberty Spikes. Puka show necklaces. Super tanned. It's like if you went to a fucking Abercrombie and you just pointed out shit you wanted to wear. 
not that's what it really was. trim, a little thicker than your typical boy band. Like band. I said, thick in the face. That's this guy. There's other videos in which Ryan or Dan, whoever the hell they are, look kind of like Rob Thomas to me in the face. They're not really chiseled as we got with Backstreet, NSYNC, 98. Those are your templates. The song is about blowjobs, so it's appropriate. That no, it's the, not about going down on a girl. That the video sucks. <laughs> uh, it is. It, it is. If you give me a blowjob, I'll give you a blowjob. Yes. They have very big eyes, Kevin. They have very enormously. Better to see it with. Yes. Better to see what they're doing. Yes. They can make you come tonight. Over to my house. While you're on YouTube, B44 also has a video for a song called Go Go. I would say this one's very the follow-up back street or in sync influenced. They still have the Liberty spikes, except their hair is blue now, but it's obviously not blue. No, it's it's like spray. Yeah. Some of the worst choreography ever performed. There are also parts in the song where you can hear how Canadian Ryan and Dan are like, don't you know? It's like a going to the house. Going yeah, to the house. yeah, it's like a it's like watching Letter Kenny. After Go Go, there's a video for a song called Every Day. Every day from now. Which is a complete departure from what we've previously seen. Yeah, it's a ballad, and they have ditched the Liberty Spikes for a more subtle, like Abercrombie sort of look. Yeah. Hair down, sweaters. You know, it'd be weird, though, if they had the Liberty Spikes and were singing ballads. <laughs> I mean, maybe it wouldn't. Maybe it'd be awesome if they had the purple eyes and the Liberty Spikes and were singing about uh, whatever they're singing about. The song starts to showcase that these dudes could actually belt. No, they're really good. They can sing. They, they can drew really... a lot of people. I'm partial to the blowjob song, but in my opinion, this is good as anything else in the genre at the time. Oh, yeah. It was oversaturated. I mean, you have NSYNC, Backstreet, probably 98 Degrees. O-Town. Getting fed the cream of the crop songs oh, that yeah. were written. But as far as like talent, before 4, they weren't lacking anything. There's just no damn obvious reason why they didn't make it here well we're, we're gonna talk about that yeah. a little bit so the self-titled album it went fucking platinum in 2001 they were nominated for best new artist at the juno award so the canadian grammys and they lost to a little band called nickelback oh fuck they lost I never made it as a wild man yeah they lost to those guys they headlined something called the psychoblast tour oh lord all canadian opening acts because they headlined before four was the headliner soul decision okay a little band that is also lost like a canadian one hit wonder type thing called wave and snow no fucking way. Like, we don't care that it, they just have to be Canadian. So B44, Soul Decision, Snow, and Wave. Oh, <laughs> such a weird, like Snow? Snow, exactly. You could have got fucking Brian and Adams? Was, and this was Snow in 2001, six years after yeah, Informer former or something. Yeah. Psychoblast Tour also happened with Christina Aguilera headlining. Mm -hmm. So a decent, 
you know, thing that happened. A fun fact, and I love this, and a piece of trivia about Before 4 has to do with 2001 movie Josie and the Pussycats, which I would like to cover. I'd like to cover Josie and the Pussycats that was on this podcast. a box office bomb, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, I'm sure. Josie and the Pussycats was co-written and directed by the duo that made Can't Hardly Wait. And in the movie, there's this big finale concert. So basically the world's biggest boy band who is mostly comprised of members of Love Burger from well Can't Hardly Wait. It's Breckenmeyer. I think it's uh, Donald Faison. They're called Dujour. Okay. Dujour. And Dujour is missing and Josie and the Pussycats end up playing the concert. The filmmakers for the scene, they needed to fill an arena. So in order to do that, they gave out thousands of tickets to record stores in Vancouver where the scene was to be filmed. The tickets promised a free concert by B44. Oh, wow. Which ended up filling the arena. Okay. So they performed. Basically, the teens got to see a free B44 concert in exchange for being an extra in Josie and the Pussycats. And that's a pretty fun day, in my opinion. Yeah. Well, I can only hope B44 did the last thing and they didn't just show up first and everybody's like, all right, thank you. <laughs> Sorry, hit the Bye. I do sure. Yeah. So in the movie, if you watch Josie and the Pussycats and when we eventually cover it, the crowd there that all looks so excited. It's a B44 concert. Because they're excited for B44. That's awesome. There was a Walmart tour. Which is weird. We've heard of mall tours. So they basically would set up a stage outside all these different Walmarts and thousands of people would show up. Ryan and Dan speak very fondly of it. They're like, the Walmart tour is fucking awesome. That's cool. Like Tons of people came out. It was really fun. They'd dress us up. They'd take us, you know, to Walmart and set up the stage and it was great. They also went on the TRL tour opening for Destiny's Child, which is weird because they didn't get any MTV play. Yeah. And that goes yeah. back to this tour happened in the States, as far as I know. This is where there is a gap of information. And what I would ask, if I could interview B44, what I would ask, they were coming off a platinum album, at least in Canada. They were coming off platinum album in Canada. Successful tours, but then they rebranded from letter B number 4-4 to the spelled out B-E-F-O-R-E and spelled out F-O-U-R. So went from, you know... It's sort of like Matchbox 2202 T-W-E-T-Y. Yes, exactly. The rebrand may have been a result of their next move, which was to go to Germany to release their second album. Interesting. They did not release their second album in Canada. They released it in, in Germany. Germany. It was called In Your Face. In the face! <laughs> <laughs> What's it gonna take to get up How many mistakes do that was in 2003. I wonder if maybe the cutesy spelling didn't translate there. You know what? If there's something in Germany that has to do with like the like the Inglorious Bastards 3 thing, yeah. maybe. Who knows? But they were touring high schools in Germany, and they were the target of a lot of hate. So basically, a lot of German teenage boys were throwing batteries at them. Fuck, and like man. Being Why? really awful. When the pop thing phases, there seems to be this revolt. Yeah. And this misogyny, because these are the same kids yes. and guys that bought the albums, yep. loved it, and then all of a sudden, there's a popularity backlash. Well, that that is truly kind of what happened. Like, they, uh, there's a story they tell where basically this kid came up to them and was like hey man like i bought your album can i have an autograph and he signs the autograph for the kid and then the kid picks it up and ripped it up in his face and threw it at him it's fucking ignorant and he like he called his brother they like cried about it and rightfully so that's yeah, it's a kick hurtful. to the nuts so i can respect their positive attitude because they they have such good they were like the walmart tour was great because like there's a vice article where they're basically like 
making fun of them. They're like, the Walmart tour was great. And they're like, yeah, it's fucking awesome. It was yeah. really fun. And the interviewer was like, okay. They released two music videos off In Your Face, one called Player. One called Feel Free to Say No. Feel free to say no now. Everybody get up and shout it out. Feel free to say no now. Just feel free to say no. They broke up a year later in 2004. Ohad moved to the U.S. to try and make it as a songwriter, which if you go on YouTube, you can find some of Ohad singing at open mic nights and stuff. Not that many, though. Singer-songwriter, plays acoustic guitar. Sounds great. Yeah, he's really good. But it's just no bites. He invented something called boom phones, which are headphones that could apparently turn into a boom box. He also founded a company in the midst of COVID called Circa, which if you, for those of you on LinkedIn, can go add Ohad Einbinder and Circa. Basically luxury backyard sheds. Nice. Exercise or just lounging. Like man, caves. Or man cave. She shed, that sort of thing. Hopefully that's doing well for him. Ryan and Dan formed a duo called Ryan Dan. Very original. They released albums in 2007 and 2014. Jim, play it for us or tell us a little bit about what Ryan Dan sounded like. Hey, here's a little sample for you. Just so you guys know, it's not going to sound like B44. This is the polar opposite. Think Josh Groban. Here we go. You can almost hear influence like in the later, the ballad type of B44 that, you know, it, they describe it as like opera. It's very, eth it's very ethereal. Yeah. And we looked at the YouTube comments and, uh, in, you know, <laughs> it's something Jim. So there's one comment, the song's called the sun. And the one comment says, I lost my husband. He was my son. And I didn't know it was called the sun at the time. So I thought I was like, wait. Her husband was her son. Yeah. But you're like, ask you, Ed. And I was like, oh, that makes more sense. Yeah. So Ryan Dan together as Ryan, Ryan and Dan together as Ryan, Ryan Dan, Dan performed with Shania Twain at her residency in Vegas. Canadian Vegas, Link. In 2014. And now together, Ryan Dan produced music. They actually produce a, a number of like Canadian exclusive artists because for whatever reason, they know that business well. And they own a dog boarding company north of Toronto. Interesting. Yes. And that's the story of B44. So let's talk about why do we think that they could not penetrate America? I think it was just so saturated. There's no way they can get through. They're just going to be another cog in the wheel. I get that. Maybe it was the it look. I think it was the blowjobs. I think it might have been the content of the first song. Maybe. Yeah. Because how how do you get to number four in Canada and not anywhere here i mean it is possible like there are canadian bands tragically hip the weaker than there are canadian bands who are huge in canada that might have a little hit like i'm sure there are people in america who knew before four i mean let's look at the trajectory of the starting out songs with nsing and backstreet boys it's heartbreak and wanting somebody back and then you put a little hook to it you put a dance they start right off the bat with suck my dick <laughs> 
And Let also- me eat your pussy. I mean, it's just like, fuck. But we got a catchy hook and a dance to it. It's not going to work. Uh, you can't go into a mall and go, I want to get down on me. Let me get down on you. I no. I it had to do with uh, their frightening, threatening facial expressions. Fuck, dude. It's, uh, yeah. Well, okay, Jim, you you know the boy band scene. And oh, this, this was happening for me. I started high school in 1999. I started in 1996. Okay, so when did the boy bands pop off? Not counting Backstreet and stuff, but their contemporaries. Okay, so. NSYNC Backstreet. The second phase is a pop because it went from the first phase went from like 86 to 91 ish 92 ish this phase started in late 97 early 98 it went to like 2002 okay so we're talking about like in tearing up my heart was what 98 that would have been 98 yes okay but that was just a single something else on the radio until they like really blew up that was like 99 2000 right yes that would have been each of them bsb and in sync their second albums yes okay so they were right perfect on time oh smack dab they had the right team they had the right timing yeah and they had the right look why not i think their big problem was they just did not have the marketing behind them at all but why i have no idea why but why why did why if you were you went platinum and you went number four on the canadian singles charts if they, if this was slid across the desk of somebody in, you know, American radio in New York City, just south of Toronto, what money would have been spent to market them? The problem is, it's that first song. Not just that it's an oral song; it's jarring. That For, that song doesn't work on radio though, because it of that doesn't. opening. Are you Caddyshack too? It doesn't work. It, they needed something in which teenage girls down here in the States, mind you, they needed that love breaking, longing song first. I, you can get edgy later. I really, I, maybe we should reach out to them. And I, I think that they might respond. I just want to know if an effort was made to put them on American radio or have MTV, MTV2, whatever, airplay, because... You know, you didn't have to pump a bunch of marketing money into them. Just, they had a look. Just put it on the radio, put it on TV, and see if it, throw the bait out there, see if they bite. Canada is a hop, skip, and a jump from here. You had groups like Five in England. Yes. Make it with yes. When the Lights Go Out right. here. Right. And you had um, whatever Robbie Williams' boy band was. Yeah, Westlife. You had a yeah. lot of these groups. Yeah. Westlife actually has sold a staggering amount of albums. Yeah. And were they were they Irish? Uh, they were, yeah, they yeah, were. They were from, they've sold a staggering amount of albums. What if B44, if you're looking in like the modern day parlance of things, if they were on like a, a making the band like O-Town? Yeah. You take O-Town out and you make that B-4-4, I think we have a different story here. I wonder if this kind of maybe come off wrong, but Ohad barely spoke English. I wonder if they saw that as a crutch because... But he could sing, though. He could sing, but at like, least in a studio, and I he mean, could lip sync. We use wrestling as a big template here. A lot of big names are held back because they can't talk on yes. a microphone. Well, that's the thing is like... Think about all the times you saw Backstreet on TRL and InSync on TRL. Personable. And, and yeah, doing interviews. It's like if you had to stick a microphone in Ohad's face. That might look bad on TRL when you have Ryan and Dan both talking. They go, what do you think, Ohad? And what, yeah, it wasn't the whole the whole package, I guess. I wonder if they had 
some sort of testing down here. Like even if it was like an affiliate in yeah, Madison, yeah. Wisconsin, yeah. and it just didn't work. But it would be interesting to reach out to them and figure out, hey. It seems like they ended up having a pretty good life. They uh, yeah, good they for them. enjoyed themselves. They had a platinum album. We're giving them a fraction of, of a cent every time we play their songs on Spotify. Yeah. And they, fuck, they got to go with Shania Twain in their residency. Yeah. And they probably got put up in a suite and, uh, you know, all kinds At of least they're stuff. humble about it. Yeah. Real cool. This is just kind of a bonus episode just yeah. to uh, take a deep dive on a uh, forgotten or maybe unknown in the first place band. That we want to make sure that you guys are aware of now. Yeah. And it's it's just funny because it was all a blowjob zone. Yeah. And they admit that. They said, yeah, it's absolutely a, a blowjob song, which they didn't write. They had a uh, a producing team who wrote and produced pretty much all of their stuff. They were responsible for, yeah, the songs about <laughs> oral. <laughs> yeah. Oral, yeah. That, which put it at that. I was going to make uh, something a little filthier, but uh, all right. Pool Sceners, until next week. Silencia. Yeah.